I love it when you do that. Good Saturday <laughs> evening, everybody. I'm sorry. It's Behave 6.30 yourself, on Robert. 6.30 on the East Coast, 3.30 on the West Coast, which means it's time for the Bobcast MOV. I'm your host, Bob Mercer, and with me as always, out in the beautiful metropolis of Murphy Town Circle, is our host, Rick Sawyer. Evening, Evening Rick. And in her own little part of Wood County, over there on the other side of the river, T. Good evening, T. Good evening. And we have a great show for you tonight. Tonight we have U.S. Congressional candidate for 2nd District of West Virginia, Mr. Joe Early, who tonight we're going to have a conversation with the people. So I want to introduce him and have him tell a little bit about himself and what's going on, and we'll start from there. If you'd go ahead, sir, welcome. Okay. How you doing? I'm, I'm assuming everybody can hear me okay. I do. All right. Well, listen, um, I, I, first off, uh, Bob, Rick, and T, I want to thank you for uh, uh, allowing me to uh, speak tonight using your platform. Um, I think it's important, obviously, that uh, West Virginia 2nd District uh, gets to hear from the candidates uh, properly. You know, we try to get around as much as we can. I've, I've, I've hit about 26 to 27 counties. Uh, the one I can't hit, they weren't even opened up for, uh, for any candidates for six months. They made that decision. So that's them. Uh, but look, um, yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, so we get a chance to uh, have this conversation tonight because I think it's important uh, for the voters. And uh, even those who are kind of, and I say those who are reluctant to vote, we really right now, this is a critical year to make the best and correct decisions to get the right people in office. Because if we don't, uh, I'm afraid that we're going to lose our country. So with that being said, uh, I'm going to go ahead and introduce myself. My name is Joe Early. Um, I live in Harrison County, West Virginia, specifically the city of Bridgeport. I'm originally from Kanawha County. I uh, was born and raised uh, in Montgomery. I uh, lived in Jackson County for a stint uh, in Ravenswood, uh, but uh, mainly born and raised in Kanawha County in the Eastern Kanawha County coal fields. Uh, I come from a family of coal miners, steel workers, railway workers, and just you know basically uh what i would call normal average americans um during that time frame you know i learned a lot uh with my upbringing i learned one to be trustworthy number two is to work hard and, and number three is to be able to be dependent on okay and have high integrity so that kind of set my path you know after i graduated i graduated dupont high school in 1978 don't really want to age myself there, but I did. I graduated in 78 uh, at a young age of 17. And uh, unlike, uh, unlike a lot of my contemporaries, I entered the workforce as the full-time adult workforce at the age of 17. Um, I, was, I worked uh, in the trades. Uh, I, was, uh, I worked on the oil and gas uh, pipelines uh, with Charleston, Charleston, West Virginia engineering firms as a surveyor. And so, yeah, I've, I've got my, my share of rattlesnake gear that I've carried with me and machetes and you name it. You start off low on the totem pole as, as a, as a, on a survey team as a 17 year old. So uh, I, that's my little bit of my upbringing. Well, after a while I decided, you know, I need to do something different and I joined the military. So in 1982, I signed a blank check for service to my country and service to protect and support and defend the Constitution of the United States. And I did that in 1982. And I did that, um, I had a distinguished military career. 
and I retired in 2002. When I retired, I retired as a senior non-commissioned officer, uh, uh, first sergeant, um, uh, and then came back to uh, West Virginia. But I had a couple of uh, stellar points in my career. I was a, uh, uh, as an armored crewman, I served my time in the cavalry. My first assignment was in the Black Horse Regiment on the 11th, with the 11th Armored Cavalry in Bad Hersfeld, Germany. You know, we hear a lot of talk today about Russians and Russian soldiers and Russian strategy. And well, look, uh, I lived and I breathed that. I stood on the wall. And at that time, the wall that we were standing on was to prevent people from coming to freedom in the West. That was the Warsaw Pact, the Soviet bloc, East Germany. Well, we watched that and that's a tragedy in itself to keep people uh, fenced in. Uh, we have, we'll get to our wall in a minute and what purpose it serves to protect us. But um, so I had that assignment uh, and I moved through uh, my career, had a couple of uh, deployments. I've been to Korea twice. I've been to uh, Kuwait uh, uh, with the uh, Task Force 27 Infantry, uh, part of 3rd Battalion, 69th Armor, uh, Operation Vigilant Warrior. Uh, that was in between Desert Storm and uh, Operation uh, uh, Iraqi freedom and an operation enduring freedom. So it was in between there, but I had a little bit of time in Kuwait. Uh, I've seen a lot of cultures and that gives me a, gives me a great appreciation for me uh, to, to be graced by God to be born in America and, and live under our constitutional framework as a republic. Um, and so after I retired, like I said, I came back to, to West Virginia and uh, put on my civilian hat uh, and uh, just wanted to come back here, you know, raise my family, retire, and live in West Virginia and, and uh, you know, work. And then uh, after a period of time, some things started happening in our country. And uh, we have uh, got to this place that we're in now that we'll talk a little bit more about. Uh, but I, when I retired, I came back, I worked uh, weapons of mass destruction uh, training center. I was a training director. Uh, at the Center for National Response. This was a post 9-11 uh, training, training venue uh, down in Southern West Virginia. And then I came up here to North Central West Virginia and started doing uh, Department of Defense biometrics. So I have skills in weapons of mass destruction, training and exercise, uh, biometric experimentation. And it has evolved to my last part of my career as a civilian um, and as a contractor, uh, independent contractor, is I've been doing cybersecurity for about uh, close to about 19 years now. And I hold uh, international certifications in project management, international certifications in uh, cybersecurity as well, and risk compliance and governance. Um, not the ESG governance. We'll get into that a little bit. This is corporate governance with cybersecurity. And um, so that kind of leads me into where I am now as a, as an independent contractor and uh, living in, in West Virginia. And a lot of people ask me, it's like, well, hell, Joe, you got a pretty storied career. You know, you could have laid back, enjoyed life. Why are you running for Congress and going through this grind? And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that, I'm sure, with uh, as we go on. But so I'm up here now and now I'm running for Congress. 
And uh, it's very important right now that we've got to do this to put our nation back on track. Uh, I am a I am a high integrity, high trust. I carry a top secret clearance, um, have a current SF-86 to validate that, meaning <clears throat> I've got the receipts to show it. And um, so I carry public trust. And with that, that uh, public trust going back to my uh, military career, my upbringing, um, military members don't lie, cheat or steal. And we don't tolerate those who do. And that's the problem with our with our um, the establishment party that we have in Congress now on the Republican side and the Uniparty. These folks have been in Congress way too long, way way too long. I'm a I'm a term limits guy. I believe in term limits. Uh, you know, just like our forefathers. You serve. You be a public servant. You contribute, and then you go back to your home, and then you you know uh, you you contribute as as a, a constituent where you contribute as a public servant. Politics was never made to be a career. And now what we have is people who have never uh, really don't even under, have a work ethic. They pretend to, they talk about it in platitudes, but by golly, they don't know how to turn a wrench. They never get their, they're never got their hands dirty, except for maybe shining their shoes. And I'll tell you what, those, those kind of politicians just really, I mean, can I be blunt on here? And they, Absolutely. Say, they piss me off. Good for you. You know, they do. They, they just piss me off because, you know, we, the, what I would call average American people, depend on, have depended on these people. And out of 300 million approximately across this country, this is the best we can get. Really, the best we can get in Congress with Matt Gates. And uh, I know I've, I've spoke with the Congressman Gates before and He's not an official mem uh, member of the Freedom Caucus, but he is a Freedom Caucus-oriented person. He stands on his own his own two feet, and he will tell you that. Uh, but we do have the Freedom Caucus, just like we have here in West Virginia now. We have a West Virginia Freedom Caucus. God bless him, you know, because we need people like that to plus these numbers up and bring good conservatives, real conservatives, holding conservatives' value, conservatives' values near and dear to our heart. And we need to be in Congress. We need to be in these positions because we will make the decisions based on constitutional, the constitutional framework as a republic. And uh, how many times have y'all heard? And I'm going to take a, take a quick question here for you guys. How many times y'all heard the word democracy? Yeah. You know, people, people don't know that. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what the word democracy is. It's a dog whistle for the left. They use that word because they, they, they want the plus one. They want saying, you know, the, the uh, tyranny of the majority. That's what they want. They want, they want that 51% and they say we're a democracy and we're going to, that we're going to rule you. Okay. Now they try it through. That's why they don't want the electoral college. That's why they want to put more um, judges on the Supreme court to dilute conservatism. And I would tell you, you know, these kind of activities, we don't have these establishment Republicans that we have up there in the House right now. They're jellyfish. They're bought and paid for, uh, you know, and they're packaged. You know, they, they, these, um, these career politicians, and there's one in this race, walks around saying, oh, you know, I've been endorsed by this guy, endorsed by this guy. 
I've been endorsed by this this pack, this company. They're funding my campaign. You know, I've got four hundred eighty thousand dollars in my war chest. All that shows is you're bought and paid for. You're not going to make decisions on your own free will, and you don't have the conscience to make your own decisions. Um, so you're bought and paid for. That's and that's a problem we have in our institutions is these uh, uh, these lobbyists, their former lobbyists that stay on K Street. You know, they they they're bought and paid for, and all they do is is a revolving door between the halls of Congress and K Street and other parts of uh, uh, congressional staff. But yeah, so. So that's the fight we have on our hands here. So that's part of the reason why I ran for Congress. But you know what the biggest reason is? Is like I said earlier, I, I wrote a blank check uh, to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. I even wore that patch as a drill sergeant. We had the emblem, the patch. It's uh, says support and defend. This this I will defend is the exact words on it. This I will defend, and it, you know, and that was our motto. Um, in the army. So, you know, like I said, um, that, uh, I was always a constitutional kind of thinker when I was a young man, I believed in America, our youth today, their, their, um, belief in America is destroyed. And you know where it gets destroyed from initially? Where? In kindergarten. It gets destroyed in kindergarten now in K through 12. It used to be just the colleges were the incubators. Now it's the the uh, public institute, the public schools, but they're no longer public schools. They're government schools. They're akin to what North Korea has, akin to what China has. They're, they're government schools and all they do is indoctrinate you. I had a conversation today with a, uh, with a coworker. We've been on a lot of projects together and I'm not going to say too much about this, but he had to take, uh, he had to go through some questions for his clearance. And he told me he was so frustrated that the government person that was talking to him asked him questions like, you know, have you ever um, taken a day off work without telling your supervisor? But then they frame it into other things like, have you lied to your supervisor? Have you ever done a mistruth? You know, Hey, look, when I was 17 years old, I called off work. I, you know, I'm eight, um, and I didn't want to go to work, so I called my manager and said, I can't make it into work today, or I'll be two hours late. You know, um, but in a professional life, you know, using that is these government institutions now that we have, these bureaucracy, bureaucracies that we have in, a, in our government are um, pretty much corrupt. Um, now I rescind that. They're fully corrupt, several layers deep, you know, and, and when President Trump gets back in office, and I know there may be some anti-Trumpers out there that's listening to this podcast, you know, that's why we have a, a primary election, so we get the right people in there. And, you know, President Trump, um, you know, you going back to the old Jeffersonian uh, uh, rule is you get the government that you elect. Right. Also, the pendulum swings different directions. And we're at a point right now that the pendulum swings so hard to the left with Barack Obama and, and then, you know, with the uh, Hillary Clinton coming back in, trying to take it in 2016, uh, when President Trump took on, it just completely upset them. And you see now the result of President Trump's first presidency is Biden 
and his cronies are setting this world on fire to destroy America. They're setting the world on fire. Look what's happening. Two, two bombing runs over in uh, on the Iranian-backed Houthi, Houthi uh, uh, rebels without Congress even being involved. It's just presidential decree. Boom. I'm going to go uh, drop a few missiles. Barack Obama did that. You know, President Trump uh, has one thing uh, that the other presidents don't have. He didn't start any wars. He was finishing them. He was bringing our troops home. And, you know, um, we, we've got a lot of things going on right now in, in America that, I mean, we could probably sit and talk about this for hours. But okay, I'm going to turn over to you guys. I've been doing all the talk. I probably talked for 10 minutes, if not longer. But go ahead. Uh, um, actually, actually, 17 minutes and six seconds. I was quite intrigued. I was quite intrigued. But, okay, my thing is, <clears throat> when did when did the politicians fail to realize that they are citizens, hired by citizens to represent citizens? Where did that fall out of place at? They, we don't work for, they think that we work for them, but they work for us. And somewhere along the line, they've missed the whole point. And they're doing everything they can I mean, look at our country. We're being overrun. We're being invaded by millions of illegals. And it's just, I, I don't understand what the end game. I mean, Rick and I talk about this all the time. And I got to tell you this, Joe. Rick has sit and told me almost, Rick said, you know, when I was in the Navy, Bob, he said, I wrote, I wrote a blank check. He goes, and it, nobody's ever told me that it, you don't have to do that anymore. And he goes, cause I'm not going to not do that anymore. And he goes, if it upsets people, oh, well. And I respect that out of my buddy, Rick. Rick and I have been friends for a long time and we sit and talk about pretty much what you're talking about, but we're being invaded. Yeah, we are. I mean, we are our Southern border. Well, I'm not even going to call it a border. Well, it's, Go ahead. Well, Bob, you know, uh, I've been to the border, you know, I, I went to Eagle Pass, Texas. And mm -hmm. I've seen what's going on down there firsthand. If you hear the Democrats say it, you know, they said, oh, you know, they're just they're wanting amnesty. They're 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 coming here. No, what's happening is the Biden administration and Secretary Mayorkas primarily and Joe Biden have incentivized them to come here. We're giving them money once they come across the border and and they're tagging them. These uh, how do you think these people are coming from Africa, the African uh, continent? and uh, how they're coming from um, uh, Southwest Asia and China. You know, they're not, they're either flying over on airplanes or they're being shipped over on boats. One way or the other, they're getting here and these, these uh, NGOs, these non-governmental organizations are bringing them over. And you know what, the FBI needs to start following that money and leaving everyday Americans alone because they may have protested and exercise their First Amendment rights on January the 6th. They need to leave them alone. They need to start investigating how we're getting tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of uh, people. I mean, there have been 3.2 million illegals approximately have crossed into the United States within the last year. I mean, you're right. You're right, Bob. It's an invasion. And you have to wonder, you have to wonder what percentage of those are Islamic terrorists 
that are right now plotting against us? Well, right now, the, the, the plotting, uh, if, if I could inject this, Rick, the plotting yep. is already in phase phase three right now. If we're looking at phases, they're doing pre-deployment right now. Okay. Everything right now is pre-deployment. Um, you know, I, I spent 20 years in uniform. I'm a combat arms guy. You know, I, I've been in, in hostile. I've been in combat zones. And I will tell you that I fear for my country now, mainly because of my children and my grandchildren and the children of America and generations of, of, of freedom-loving Americans. I, I fear for our country more now than I did when I was in uniform. Because at least then, at least then, I knew who the enemy was. Yeah. Right now, what's the what's the end game? Well, I tell you what the end game is, is the destruction of America. I mean, they, it, there can be no other there can be no other end game. I mean, Barack Obama said it on his first day in office or after he was elected before he had had inauguration. We have just begun the fundamental changing of America. Yep. Well, let me ask you something. Do people hate America so much? Why do we need fundamental change? Our society is, and, and you know, this may sound a little bit cliche, but this is near and dear to me. The United States, no one's coming to our rescue. We are the last beacon of freedom on this planet. Okay. That's exactly right. And nobody's coming to our rescue. And thank our framers for having enough vision and 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 long and, and long-term fight to give us the second amendment. Yep. That that my friends is what the Biden administration is working to do next is to destroy the Constitution of the United States of America. And they are going to do it amendment by amendment, section by section, paragraph by paragraph. You're seeing it with the judges. I mean, look what they're doing to Trump. This law, oh, yeah. law you know, the shortened version of law warfare. They're keeping him in, in court, you know, trying to keep him off the ballots. And we know that's unconstitutional. Why are they letting him get by with it? That's that's something I cannot grasp hold of. The judges, the Supreme Court's got to be sitting there going, now, wait a minute. Whoa, wait a minute. Uh, we're not going to get involved. Wait till, you know, I. if they're if they're in such a big rush to gain power, <clears throat> what do they want to be? What do they want power over? A destroyed country that no longer exists. They will burn this country down to to hold on to their power. They 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 will burn it down. But as a soldier, I would tell you this: the people, they're useful idiots on the left. Okay, they don't know what true violence is because they've never, unless you know they they did serve in the military, they don't understand. We don't want to end up in that place in America again, okay? Because it's a it's a it's a dark place. Let's put it that way. That we need to we need to move past this gate uh, by people loving America based on our, our framers' ideals that's outlined in the Declaration of Independence and the United States Constitution. That's what that's what needs to occur. But we have. Um, and I'll just call it as we've been 
overrun with communism. Communism is a religion of evil. Okay. And, and, and they will burn everything down just to stand on the ashes. They really will. They'll burn it down. You know, you asked a question a little while ago about the judges and the law enforcement, FBI, you know, they have no fear. There's no checks and balances anymore because what normally held the FBI uh, and other federal law enforcement agencies in check was the Department of Justice and constitutional adherence to the Constitution. They're all corrupt. They're 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 morally bankrupt. And you see that happening every day. Look, they think or no, really, they don't think they don't care what they're doing now. They literally don't care. They're doing it in our face. They're not trying to hide it. They're emboldened. And all they want to do is whittle away at the fabric of America. And, you know, my grandfather, my grandfather told me one time many years ago, my grandfather was in the Navy um, and he told me, and I can't remember somebody, a rep, somebody from Russia said, we will take the United States without firing a shot. And I, that sticks with yeah. me. That was Nikita Khrushchev. He said it on TV. That's it. Khrushchev. That's right. Thank you. Because I couldn't remember what his name was. And my grandfather said, he said that in itself is scary because of course he's gone, but he would be rolling over in his grave if he knew what was going on here. But now with everything going on, you know that our enemies are sitting back on, yeah, that's what we want to see. Go ahead. Let's go. Well, you know, you're right. And we are being, we are the right. When you look at a tree, you know, I grew up in the country, grew up around the farms. A tree never rots from the outside. It takes an axe to take down a tree. Okay. We're not, we're not being assaulted by the axe. You look at it from a tree analogy. Where's the rot start? Carpenter ants get, they get in at the root. They start whittling their way into the pulp, the center, and that tree eventually gets destroyed. And then what do you have to do? You either burn it to kill, to kill what has caused that rot to keep it from spreading. Um, or you just let it continue to spread. And you know, on that analogy right there, we have rot in America. We have rot in our academic institutions. I mentioned this earlier. Now it's in the public schools. We have rot in our bureaucracies. This is communism. This is what they intend to do. We have rot in our corporations. We have rot in the in not, not just the manufacturers uh, and industry type corporations and capital related organizations, but in the tech industry. They're part of the problem but they think they're a solution and they're not, they are a problem. You know, uh, take carpenter ants, you know, they, they're destroying it. They're going to eat away at that tree. And, and eventually that tree is going to die. Well, that tree in our case is, you know, the old, um, old adage, you know, they're, they're destroying the tree of Liberty right now. And, uh, and I tell you, I, I like I said, you know, I fear, I, I fear for our country. And that's why we have to, uh, I don't want to be doom and gloom, but I'm telling you what, we, we're, 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 we're entering an, an era politics right now where it's going to take people with some with some balls and intestinal fortitude to step up and, and fix this country through the bureaucracies and you go in and fire these people 
And then they need to not only be fired, they need to be held criminally responsible. And that's yep. not going to happen until we get a Department of Justice that's ready to enforce the rule of law. Right now, you see Hunter Biden can go out here with his 14-year-old niece snort cocaine, okay? And she's in her lingerie, and that's his niece. That's pedophilia. That's, that's sexual assault. And and he and there's evidence right there, glaring digital evidence, but they don't want to prosecute him. But they'll go out here with the grandmother that's got six children or a, a mother with six children that was a, a peaceful protester, a legitimate peaceful protester during January 6th and jail her and keep people we that do not have any rule of law against the current J6ers that are imprisoned right now and can't be with their families because they are continually being held basically against their will. They're political prisoners. They are. And, I, and they have, I, they, I there's so it. many of them have, have never had their day in court yet. Been in jail well, for my over buddy, a year and never seen the court. Yeah. My buddy got arrested. He was in, in at January 6th. Or, yeah. And he was arrested. He was sentenced to like 45 days. Yeah. We were talking recently and he said, the federal prosecutor wants him to do more time. Yeah. I, I mean, oh, excuse, excuse me, sir. Um, would you mind coming back and just doing some more, you know, really? I, I, I'm, I'm like you, Joe. I'm worried for my granddaughters and my granddaughter's children in the future. You know, I, I'm, I'm worried about them all. Our generation and those of us who love our country more than anything in this world. We're trying so hard and we're getting knocked down for it. People do not understand it. They're just sitting back. You know, I, I had a friend of mine tell me something. We were talking about the the um, lack of people wanting to work hmm. the other day. And we just a smart man. And he said, Bob, let me tell you what. He said, this generation doesn't understand that they sh they're supposed to take care of themselves. Hmm. I sit there and let that sink in for a minute and i said you know uh that's that makes a lot of sense to me t i'm sorry would you like to jump in here <laughs> no you're doing oh, fine bob you're doing fine he's down that corner i didn't even see her there <laughs> poor t she's sitting there going is it my turn yet <laughs> it's always my turn bob <laughs> you have anything you want to say? You have anything you want to you want to bring up there, T? No, I'm just listening to the conversation right now. It's it's going pretty good, Bob. But, you know, you know, Rick and I, like I said, Rick and I've been friends for what 17 years, Rick. Been a long time. 16 years. Rick and I, we have in-depth conversations about the condition of our country or lack thereof, and. You, you have to sit back and say, you know, they say, well, you know, beat them at the beat them at the ballot box. Well, for some stupid reason, they keep putting the same stupid people back in. Well, it, and and beat them at the ballot box, but we got the ballot box rigged. Yeah, right. Oh, I'm sorry. That's exactly. Politically correct. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know who's coming to visit you. Rick. <laughs> oh, who's uh, it knocking on my door? Shay. Well, I would say I. I you know, speaking of uh, free and fair elections, you know, that's, that's all conservatives want. We want, we want, to, we want everything to be on an equal playing field. But 
the Democrats don't play fair. They're going to cheat. And I, I, I don't even like to call them Democrats anymore because they're really not. Um, Democrats used to be a political party. Uh, now that party has been hijacked uh, by communists and socialists and, and literally anarchists. I mean, the uh, BLM, uh, the organization, and Antifa, the, you know, the idea that they're just an idea. Uh, they're both, uh, one's a little bit more of a loose confederation of uh, that idea, but they're still violent. They are the violent arm of the new Democratic Party. They're the ones that burnt down our cities. In the summer of love? Did not have to pay any price for that. Unless, yeah. unless. And, and they burnt down police police departments. They, they hurt people. They And nobody, nobody, nobody had to answer for it. Nobody. Right. Uh, and I mean, they, they set up uh, Chop Hill and was Seattle had Chop Hill. Yeah. They took over yeah. entire precincts and, and then and, and they just became like uh, a movie set that you would see in a horror movie of uh, an apocalyptic type movie scene. And that's how they behaved. Uh, you know, they had uh, basically just no, they tried to have their own law. There was no laws, tribal law, very tribal. Uh, they were not, nothing constitutional based like we have. So, you know, I just, I, I just worry a lot. And, and I, I tell you that um, if, if I may, I just want to kind of direct back over uh, a couple of go where you need to go, sir. Uh, what's that? You go where you need to go. It's your show. Um, well, you know, there's some things on my platform I think that uh, I need to share. I know we talked a little bit about them, but I want to put them out in kind of bullet points because yeah. uh, <clears throat> you know, it's hard to, it's really hard to, to look at what's going on in our world right now and, and address it from a linear fashion uh, because there's a lot of asymmetry that, that applies uh, because we're in a culture war like we've never seen before. Um, every, every aspect of our nation that holds us together uh, as a constitutional republic is being attacked by the, by the left. So, uh, you know, we've got to make sure that, uh, that we, we protect our constitutional freedoms, okay? And then look at these things from a macro perspective because the micro levels, the left, what they want us to do is they want us to be distracted by these little, what I would call the shiny things. Oh, let's divert their attention over here. And they have three other things happening over on this side. So be quiet, Rick. What's that? <laughs> I said, be quiet, okay. Rick, because Rick's. Okay. So, but we, we've got to make, we've got to focus on our constitutional freedoms and our constitutional framework as a republic. Uh, second with that is uh, I'm all about economic growth and prosperity uh, because those dovetail right into our freedoms. And uh, we, we do, we can't do any of those without having some national, some, some resemblance of national security. Because right now we have an invasion going on at the border. We have to shut the border down. I am the only candidate in second district that has put out a plan. I've been to the border. Hey, a lot of people ask, well, you're from West Virginia. What did you go to the border for? Because it's damn important. It is important what's going on down there because that doesn't impact just Texas. It impacts West Virginia. We have the highest rate, death rate of fentanyl in this state alone and it's killing our youth across america but west virginia is a key point i mean it's just it, it's part of this biden's uh agenda that really set the world on fire state by state area by area and, and just set it on fire and leave it burning but we have to do that we have to have our military readiness has to be back up and this transgenderism 
not just in the non-military side of society that's, that is a mental illness inside of our schools and with our youth has been been perpetuated by adults in the military our military readiness right now we could not engage in a multi-front war to protect american interest at all because number one we focus on esg and dei in the military that weakens uh weakens the force multiplier of camaraderie and dependence on your battle buddy okay dependence on an organization it takes that away because it wants you to say if i'm this color um if i'm white um uh, i have to spell it with the lowercase w but if i'm black or brown or of a descent of a nation uh, of a of a continent then i have to put that in uppercase that's we're seeing those kind of disparities uh in our military and it's and it's destroying our military readiness if not for patriots that are that are in the military right now uh and these general officers that are in the military right now uh we used to have a term for them back in the day when i was in there uh they just wanted to kind of ride the coattails we called them perfume princes that's all they wanted they they were not they they all they were worried about was uh uh how shiny the boots were and whose water can they carry instead of worrying about the mission and their soldiers and we got to fix immigration we got, you know, I, I put out by going to the border right after I came back, I had it kind of framed up when I went down there, but we need a five year, I have a border plan to, to fix the to fix immigration. And the first part of that is we need a wall. Yes. We need a wall built along the Southern border where the invasion is occurring. We need to, we need to put troops on the border, not to open fire like there's probably liberals listening to this channel like oh he's, he's an advocate of just killing civilians no i'm not i'm putting military troops on the border to show that we are dead serious about protecting our border now right now texas even took some initiative yesterday and they put, they put national guard troops on the border and told the feds get the hell out yeah i was going to ask you about that they, they, they were saying they were saying that the uh the border patrols all ticked off and stuff. The border patrols saying, no, we're not. It's helping us out. And th they went to the, they're asking the Supreme Court to step in to tell them to tell Texas to stop. Yeah. It's, it's the state, it's their property. Yeah. That property doesn't belong to the federal government. What, what was it you told me, Rick? The, the only federal property promised in the, or something about the Constitution is Washington, D.C., yeah. right? Everything else has been added since then is not not technically constitution. Well, the federal government under republicanism, lowercase r, has the responsibility to protect the states. Yes. That is their that is their constitutional duty. And because the Biden administration is is using Secretary Mayorkas and the and the Department of Homeland Security is failing to do that as a federal level. The states have the the the, the right to go in and do that. Now I'm not a lawyer, okay? They can fight that battle in the in the legal system, but I will tell you that at, on its on its face that the federal government is required to provide security for these states. And right now 
we have American citizens being killed, maimed, property being destroyed, our tax money is being chewed up uh, by NGOs, our tax money is being chewed up, and that's part of my plan. I believe that uh, we should not be giving any taxpayer money to an illegal alien, period. They get nothing. They need to be processed and returned. We need to do mass, for, mass deportations. We need a five-year moratorium on immigration. For those that are already here, not the ones that crossed illegally, those who are already in the, immigrate, the legal immigration process, they can continue on because that's what has to occur. They go through that process. But these, uh, these uh, illegal aliens that have crossed in mass and are undocumented, they need to be uh, secured, which provides a level of security for the communities, and they need to be returned to their nation and repatriated back to their nation. They we have to do that, and then we have that needs to happen for at least five minimum of five years, uh, and that's part of it. We have to make sure that we get rid of chain migration. That stuff has got to stop too. And there can't sanctuary states. If you claim to be a sanctuary state or a sanctuary city, you receive no money to help you with what you're doing because what we got to hurt them in the pocketbooks and these American taxpayers that live in these blue cities, they keep funding this to an extent, but the federal government, that's, that's taxpayers money from West Virginia, from Florida, from Texas. That's now going to these blue States and saying, well, I'm a sanctuary city. I want federal funds and I'm going to start bringing these folks in. That has got to stop. And no more receiving taxpayer incentives such as healthcare. Uh, right now, uh, I had a veteran call me today that, I mean, he was tore up. He's a couple years older than I am. He's got some uh, uh, health-related things that's going on with him, uh, but he has to go to the VA. And he's like, I mean, he's, he's almost in tears because what's going on with the Biden administration right now, they're using veteran administration resources to take care of illegal aliens first and pushing the veterans to the back of the line. We served our country. Take That money's already committed to us. Why are you giving it to the illegals? Why are you putting in, why are you shutting down schools and putting illegals in there and then telling the kids, well, you can't go to school today. You have to do remote learning. We're going to use uh, this taxpayer funded facility here for the public schools. And we're going to now put illegal aliens in there. We'll house them in there. They're still pushing COVID shots. Why are they doing this? When all these illegals come across, they don't have COVID shots. And if COVID shots work, why somebody worry about whether I've got mine or not, you know? Exactly. Exactly. My, my mask, your mask will protect you from me. There you go. Right now, uh, you know, those are a couple little ancillary things that's part of this <laughs> larger problem, you know, is uh, I'm all about health freedoms. Um, and I think that we over-vaccinate our children. Um, you know, they're up to 70, I think 77 vaccines now. Um, and these, and, and autism rates are now one in, I believe the, the latest number was one in 44 is uh, the autism rate. And, and the study, and this is only since they've been studying uh, birth, birth year of 1992, study year of 2000 to present time. So we're about 22 years in right now. And there is one right. uh, has an, has a, has an autism rate or autism prevalence. That's huge. That's an impact on our society. 
not only looking on it from a side perspective, think about the family that's forced to give their children vaccinations at compulsory by the government that the uh, big pharma keeps pushing and they don't do these right, the right kind of studies. They're not listening to the, they don't follow the science because if they followed the science, there'd be no money involved. It's a corrupt mm -hmm. process. When you have the FDA, you know, approving any vaccination, okay, uh, that fast, and then calling it a vaccine, it's poison. The it's MRNA, a, but it's the, not a vaccine. It's not a, vac it's, a vaccine. Is derived from either living or dead microorganisms of that particular disease, and the 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 three. COVID jabs that I got had, they weren't vaccines. They were just chemical soup. And, and, and that's, and that's it. And, and, you know, now you have to worry about your long-term health what's going to happen next. That's right. You know, exactly. and, and that happened a lot across the board. Um, and I will tell you that uh, these, these uh, forced vaccinations, and I'm a huge proponent of, uh, of uh, the repealing of the prep act that needs to go away. Uh as part of it and the vaccination program that uh, provides qualified immunity to the uh, big pharma if we now they've been sued and i forget what the numbers are let me look here real quick just so we can we speak to it uh in the audience with the people we're speaking to out there is from a vaccination standpoint and we'll get to it um i'll have to pull up my twitter in a minute but uh, uh there's only um uh, approximately 9,600 cases have been resolved and they cannot go directly, they cannot go directly to against the pharmaceutical companies. They have to go against, the, there's like a government layer in between. You can only sue this and you're only guaranteed so much money. Well, that's your child that's been impacted. This has a vaccine injury uh, now and, and it could have, you know, you would have, that parent, those parents would have otherwise had a, a healthy child. But the moment they start giving these vaccines in here, uh, it's messing with their bodies. And 77 vaccines for a child these days. You know, when we grew up, I got, I, got, uh, I forget what the stamp they gave us in the arm, which was a tet, um, uh, polio, um, yeah. uh, tet, the tetanus, polio, and, and um, uh, TB. And I think that was about it. Uh, and now, yeah. I mean, I, my children are well-grown, so I don't have not kept in line with what all these vaccinations get uh, get involved with. But um, we've got a group here in West Virginia, as uh, Dr. Moss and uh, Marlene Moss, it's uh, West Virginians for Health Freedoms. And, uh, and I encourage everybody listening here to go check out their website. It's West Virginia, uh, uh, West Virginia for Health, West Virginians for Health Freedom. Uh, they have a, a, a nice program there and very informative. And I think that uh, that anybody and Marlene Moss is not afraid to talk to anybody about about uh, uh, vaccinations and the over vaccination of our children across the country. Um, you know, what's scary is, is that um, everything that you're talking about, people are being so misled and nobody knows, nobody knows where to turn for the truth. Like, I'll tell you straight up, I'm a Fox News fan. I listened to it maybe an hour or two in the morning. And one of my buddies goes, 
that's your problem. You listen to Fox News. I'm like, <laughs> okay, who do you listen to? You know, if you flip it to CNN or one of them other ones, I'm sorry. If, if you flip it to any other channel, you hear Donald Trump is the problem, caused all the problems in the world, you know, and then you flip it to another one. It's like crazy. It's, it's, it's just nobody knows where to get the truth. At. Yeah. Well, it's hard to get it from mainstream. You're not going to get it from mainstream media. I mean, you can watch anything we're talking about today. If anything happens in the national news today, it's a real item on Twitter. You can find, get your information from uh, the uh, digital space. That's, that's a lot. That's the best place to get it from is uh, digital space subscriptions. And then you'll see it in the mainstream news about uh, a week later. Okay. I said much of delay. But, uh, so, you know, I want to talk about uh, this congressional race real quick and the choices that uh, that West Virginians in the second district have to uh, have to know about. You go ahead, sir. So I, I said earlier that, uh, you know, uh, as a veteran, you know, we we in, we uh, are raised with trust. I mean, soldiers depended on me. And I depended on other soldiers. I depended on my chain of command to provide the right sort of uh, battle space for me, the right sort of environment for me to execute my mission as a soldier. So what we have to look at, how does that translate to second district? Well, uh, I think it's important that the um, district understands that there's a candidate out here that worked 14 years as a Democrat. Now I'm just gonna go ahead and call the name. There's no reason to pull punches. Riley Moore is a Democrat. He claims to be a conservative, but he worked 14 years for the Democrat party. And, and here's how he did that. He worked as a staffer for a California Congressman. Okay. For six years of his career. Then after that gig was up because the Congressman lost his seat, Riley went to work for the uh, Podesta group. Well, John and Tony Podesta are Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama bunglers. So, you know, Riley sits back and he wants to say, and he has said this, I'm not quoting, but the source is in print and it's on multimedia. So he said, you know, I was just a low level staffer. I didn't really know what was going on. That's not a true statement. That is deceptive because Riley was a senior vice president for the Podesta group. Okay. He, he was a foreign, a registered foreign agent that lobbied to bring money in from foreign governments into the bundlers for the Podesta group that subsequently went to bundlers for Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton's presidential campaigns. Now, I think it's important that the district understands that. And Riley's single issue, all the only thing you'll ever hear really Riley ever talk about at length is environmental social governance, and that's it. He talks about BlackRock. He talks about, you know, uh, State Street. He talks about Vanguard. He talks about what he's done as a treasurer. Well, that's all well and good that he's, you know, divested those funds so that the state funds, because it doesn't help you or me, as state funds. It's not going to help us in the state of West Virginia directly. So he's divested from them 
and he claims that's his his badge of honor. Okay, at the same time, he was not an outspoken person against Form Energy, which is laden with diversity, equity, and inclusion, and environmental social governance into the into the northern panhandle. That supposedly this new alternative energy that consumed almost three hundred million dollars of West Virginia taxpayer money on an unproven technology and was supposed to create jobs in West Virginia. And they're not because those jobs are coming from those people who are filling those jobs are coming from Ohio and Pennsylvania and Weirton and the Northern Panhandle are still remaining depressed because of decisions made for the form energy and the Bill Gates foundation and other inclusive capitalist uh, ventures built around that to get form energy into the state of West Virginia and destroying coal country, destroying our fossil fuel industry here in West Virginia. Okay. Polluting the Ohio river basin. So that's, that's just part of it. So my, my question or really a statement is if Riley Moore is such a great conservative, why would he work for the Democrat party? for 14 years of his adult life. Now, if he says, well, I just didn't know. I didn't know who these people were. Well, then number one, he's not intelligent enough then <laughs> to be a congressman. And if he did know, and he's deceiving people, then that makes him untrustworthy. There's no gray area here, okay? You either know, or you're, you're not smart enough to know what the Podesta group was, because they don't, they're not in the same fashion now. But oh, oh by the way, uh, one of the Podestas, I believe it's John Podesta, is now associated with Form Energy in West Virginia as part of the Form Energy initiatives. So he's back in West Virginia with the green energy. Why is that? Because he's Biden's green energies are. Wow. So these all have linkages. Now that's just working for the Democrat Party. Let's look at other things. You're either, you cannot deny that the Podesta group, who they were. They have so many connections of corruption that, that the FBI was investigating them. And eventually, you know, well, we know what the FBI has not really pushed John and Tony Podesta into jail. Probably unknown to us why, but it still occurred. Uh, but to sit there and say that uh, I'm just a low-level staffer, it's not for Riley Moore to decide what the voters should do. The voters need to make a decision on Riley Moore, whether he's, number one, either one, competent enough to be a congressman, or number two, truthful enough to be a congressman. There's no gray area, none. The voters demand respect for their constituency. Exactly. If you exactly. do not respect the voters and you think, well, I've got this amount of money in my war chest. I'm the heir apparent to Congressman Mooney's seat. I don't have to do anything. I'll just sit here and deny this, deny this, and I will get the votes. That's what he believes. But he's in a fight right now, and he, and he knows that. Second part is... Go ahead. The second part of this is about... Um, this is when I was 21 years old and I was serving in the military, I was serving my country. Now, if you know, Riley's younger than I am, or I'm older than Riley, however you want to frame it. 
So what I was doing at 21 years old serving my country was a lot different than what he was doing when he was 21 years old. Okay. Um, he claims to be a welder, getting the working man. But when you go out here on the, the, the websites that really don't exist anymore, and you know, the web, the websites never die. You can go find this information. Exactly. Well, from his Podesta, his Podesta time frame where he's listed on there, he was, doesn't list welder on there. Uh, he was senior vice president. He didn't say anything about working like the common man, you know? So wow. that's pandering. Don't pander to the voters. Be honest. You know, look, with me, you get truth. You know, I, I, I look, I'm on a 10-month, I was, I'm on a five-month now. I'm still on a job interview. And it's up to the voters to look at Joe Early and say, can I trust this guy? He spent 20 years in the military, stellar career, deployments all over the world. He's fought for our freedoms. He came back to his home state. He's still working to, to, for West Virginia, helping out the, you know, the, the, uh, the constituency with cybersecurity protections, things of that manner. Still serving my country. Now I want to go to Congress and serve my country in that capacity. I do believe in term limits. Riley Moore's not signed a term limits pledge. You know why? Because he's a McCarthy Republican. That's why. He's been endorsed by the establishment. I've signed a taxpayer protection pledge. pledge. Riley Moore hasn't done anything like that. Hell, Riley Moore, does, go to his website right now, unless he's done this in the last five minutes, he has not a single issue on his website. <clears throat> not a single issue. So, and then from that aspect, and then to be as a registered foreign agent, that has a whole nother flavor to this. This is K Street. This is the circle. This is what the establishment does. They, they groom people and they put them in there and they say, do what we tell you to do and then you'll be okay. We'll, we'll take care of you. Now, that takes care of Riley. Now, let's talk about, let's talk about Nate Kane for a minute. Nate Kane's a good guy. Okay. He really is. Nate's a good guy. I've talked to Nate several occasions. Um, but Nate has a problem that he doesn't want to talk about. He talked about he's the original whistleblower. And that's has been has been Nate's whole thing. I'm the original whistleblower for the FBI. Well, Nate's got a little bit of a problem that he, he needs to come clean with. And he needs to really come clean with this. He needs to uh, quit talking about him being a whistleblower because that is not a true statement. And now granted, I did not take away from the fact that Nate was, his home was entered by the FBI and they took their property back that he took from them. But Nate and I kind of have shared the same of the same space when it comes down to uh, our uh, contracting work. Um, but there's a gentleman named William Campbell. He was an FBI informant on Uranium One. So you won't hear Nate talk about William Campbell. He talks about himself being the original whistleblower. Well, there was an active investigation going on with uh, Hillary Clinton and the Uranium One dating back to 20, late 2015, all the way through 2016. Nate did not come on board with his foray into uh, uh, mis mishandling government material until 2017. 
So embellishing things. So what the voters have to look at now is they have to look at who can they trust? Look, I'm completely transparent. I care. I work in the cybersecurity industry. I have a, a, I have a top secret clearance. I have public trust. You know, I, I just, you know, want to serve my country more and I don't have anything to hide. Okay. At all. And I'm not embellishing my record. I'm completely transparent. Nate is almost verged on the, the term that we use in the military of stolen valor. When you say, it's just like, okay, I went to a combat zone. Okay. True story. I went to a combat zone in Kuwait. I spent six, almost six months uh, on Operation Vigilant Warrior. Okay. I received combat pay. I was in a combat zone. But I cannot say because I was there that I served in combat. You see what I'm saying? So it's a fine line. If I say that I served in combat in a combat zone and I did not, I am embellishing my, my military record and I'm stealing valor. So Nate plays a little bit with words. And, and like I said, I really like Nate, but Nate really needs to come clean on, on the words because every word has meaning. And when you say you served in, in the served uh, your country for 26 years uh, in the military, you need to define that because Nate doesn't have a 26 year career in the military. He has a three year stint in the military, and, and I want to thank him for his service. Uh, but it has three years in the military. Everything else after this three years of serving in uniform was a civilian that worked for the military. So these words mean something and you can't embellish it. So he's using this to sell himself. So get off that. Tell, you know, be honest. You know, I'm not trying to help him strategize because that hurts me. But I'm going to tell you what, it's the voters are being fooled right now. The voters in second district are being fooled by what they have. And then we have, I don't even know who this new guy jumped in. All I know is he's a DEI agent of sorts. Uh, I mean, all these guys are coming from the Eastern Panhandle. Do we really want West Virginia being ran by the Eastern Panhandle? I don't think so. You know, that's uh, really what it looks like right now is everybody wants to run it from the Eastern Panhandle. Uh, you know, it's close proximity to D.C., so it's a continuation of the swamp. So I'll just kind of uh, frame it with that right there is we have a competitive field, but the thing is, though, it's just like a lot of politics is, you got to sort out the dishonest statements, the dishonest politics, and look at people for they will tell you the truth. And out of the three main candidates in this race, who are you going to trust more? Somebody who's being completely transparent, okay? And I'm going to tell you like it is. I'm going to be a truth teller. I'm not having anything here to hide, okay? I've been uh, endorsed by the Legacy Pack, but, you know, that's just saying that they have trust in me. Outside of that, they're not, they're, they're, they're endorsing me because they have trusted me, you know, but if I sold them the wrong bag of goods and then they trusted me, they could easily pull that, pull that uh, endorsement back. I've been endorsed by the Oil and Gas Workers Association. I've been endorsed by the Veterans for America First and the Veterans for Trump. I actually am the state president for the West Virginia Veterans for Trump. You know, so we're building this organization to get President Trump back to like get him back in the White House again. So that's what we need. We do. And, 
you know what? Everybody's President Trump's uh, one of his favorite terms is they're not coming after you. I'm just or I'm in the way. That's why they're attacking him. He represents not the man, but the protection of the Constitution. Because he understands what's in this fight where the establishment Republicans do. They don't. They don't understand at all because they're only trying to enrich themselves versus protect this country. And like I said, I, I signed a blank check in 1982, and I'm still trying to fill that blank check, okay? But the thing is, though, you can never really do that. It's a open it's open for service to this country. And I've been, as a veteran, I have swore an oath to support and defend the Constitution. And I really have always been the tip of the spear. And I do not talk about myself a lot, but I've been a tip of the spear kind of guy. I'm a great glass constitutional conservative and i'm we we can no longer in this election cycle cannot play play time is over okay we're in a we're we're in an environment right now where we have to take our country back and we're not going to do it with establishment politicians and people who are not completely transparent about why they're running for office well where can where can people where can people go to find out more about your campaign and more about you? What's your website? Our website is uh, Joe Early, and it's E-A-R-L-E-Y, the number four, WestVirginia.com. You can find you got that a bit more about me. It's and already out, on our website. Yep. I'm out on the socials. I uh, have a Facebook feed, and uh, you can get to that from my website. And I also have a Twitter feed and a, and a truth feed. So you can go out there, and you can learn a little bit more about my campaign. And you can learn a lot about me as a person. Um, look, I've served my country for four decades. And watching my country, our country, as patriots get burnt to the ground, scares me. Yeah. It really does. It's just scare every American, even the independents out there. The independents that are listening, look, I'm your guy. I'm the one that can be trusted. And I will never let you down. I believe in a synergy between the local government to Congress. I want to be that person. I'm a boots on the ground kind of guy. And I will no longer, I will not stay away from my constituents. I think that we have to have a synergy and a linkage between the municipal, the county, the state, and the federal level. They all need to talk, not just talk during the election cycle. Who can we put in office next time? And you talk all the time, because this is about making West Virginia the the best that it can be and bringing us out of the 40s, the low 40s, or should I say the high 40s and 50s, and bringing us back, you know, bringing, bringing West Virginia back. We have good people in West Virginia. Yes, we do. Damn good people. And we want to work hard and we want to raise our families in a, the most beautiful state in the union. And by golly, I'm going to tell you what, if we don't take our country back in 24, West Virginia is going to be just like all these other states. They're going to be poverty stricken worse than we are drug fed uh they can't they can't they can't serve in the military anymore because they're oh you know we just don't have the capability we're overfeeding them uh with with the wrong kind of foods we don't care about their health there's a lot of things a congressman can do when we when i get to congress there's a lot that i can do there is we need to focus on we need to abolish the department of education period amen of education has zero purpose except to move money from the taxpayer 
to the higher institutions of higher indoctrination, okay, the institutions of the labor unions, to the education system, and that is some, that bureaucracy needs to go away. And I'll say this as well: the uh, uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms needs to go away. The Second Amendment. And we have laws that are already on the books in our state and at the federal level that can be enforced without having a, a bureaucracy set in between us and our, our God-given right to protect and defend our families. Okay. You know, I, I'm running for Board of Education here. I'm a city councilman here in Parkersburg, but I'm I'm running for Board of Education now. And I, I have said that the federal the federal department of education needs to go. Because we're sending money, we're sending money to the federal level, tell the state level to tell us what to do, and if we don't do it, well, then you're not going to get money that doesn't belong to them to start with. And that's why you have transgenderism and gender affirming things happening in the schools, and parents are not involved anymore, is because the federal hooks that are in the system. And I would go as far as saying this. Why do we have a state department of education? Every single damn one of them are appointed by the governor. Wow. They're not, they're not elected. If I'm not mistaken, there's not a single elected official on the state board of education. And that money that they're bringing down is they're forcing it on the county level. They are forcing it on the county to do the bidding of the federal government. The moment they do that. And You're that's correct. That's why we have guys like Chad Conley, Okay, it's running over in your county and yourself that's running over in Wood County to take Wood County schools back from this this ESG transgender DEI laden bureaucracies that's caused. And you know what? If our state was really a, a bastion of conservatism, they would not be allowing any gender affirming care to minors, period. Period. Yep. Period. Yep. If you want to do that as an adult and your insurance covers it, fine. My taxpayer should not be taxpayer money should not be paying for that. And oh, by the way, another part of that is is there would be no pornographic materials in my damn libraries. <laughs> because why is a man? Why is the, the state allowing this to happen? Why? We've been asked. We've been asked that we. It was brought to to council. Somebody brought some of the books in. Oh, people went nuts when when I we we were really ticked off, and they thought that was the worst thing in the world to ever happen. And Bob's burning books again. And, and <laughs> they, they, they put out what's called the uh, the Mercer Manifesto. My my last name, the Mercer Manifesto, showed Nazis burning books. They said that uh, Councilman Mercer is embarrassed because of the public backlash. No, I wasn't. No, wasn't. I, I was just ticked off because the person I, I know who did it, but the, the person didn't didn't give their name. They just put it out there that um, and they don't understand the word censure. There's censor, censure. Censure means strongly disagree. Yes. And they don't get it. And that's the only thing I did. Man, I, I'm telling you, what, I still laugh. I, I got a copy of it on my in my photos and Every once in a while, I'll go look at it. Rick and I laugh about it, but you know, I th there's just so much going on, and I'm, I'm I really we would love to have you back. I mean, I tell you what, I'd love to come back, but I tell you, I know you're probably wrapping up here. And I don't want to tell tell the listeners this one thing. Look uh, here, you have a choice on May the 14th. 
you can either choose an establishment Republican who has not been completely transparent about his ties to the Democrat Party, okay, for 14 years of his adult life. And then on the other hand, you have a guy who's embellishing his record, okay? I mean, literally, go out and look for William Campbell. And if you type in William Campbell, it'll tell you exactly who he is, show you the timelines and everything. And it's on the internet. It's open source. You don't have to do anything special as a cybersecurity person to go find this, okay? But transparency is a key. Voters want transparency. They not just want transparency in government. They want transparency about the person that they're going to elect to be honest, not the honest as honest as they can be. They want them to be truthful, high integrity, and have honesty. Exactly. That's what the voters want. And exactly. I will tell you, Joe Early, as Congressman Joe Early, here's what I will tell you, and this is my solemn pledge: is I will do everything that I can as a congressman to to work as part of committees and work with my with the constituents in West Virginia second district and my colleagues on the floor to end this border invasion and secure the southern border. Thank God. The weaponization of the DOJ and the FBI against American citizens, the FISA 702 needs to stop on American citizens. Those abuses are a travesty of justice on normal Americans. We need to make sure that we end racist DEI and, and ESG policies at the federal and state levels. There can no be can no be any federal hooks in money coming to the states that enforces that. And lastly, American energy. We sit on the 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 largest reserves of natural gas and coal. We're the second largest uh, coal-producing state in this country. 40% of which supplies overseas. So wow. we're a huge exporter, natural gas. We're also, we're sitting on the, on the, on the Marcellus shell and the Utica shell, the shell crescent. All of that is, is our freedom, our national security that we're sitting on. Why are we pumping it in from adversarial countries? Yeah. And lastly, the world, the world, the war in Ukraine needs to be handled by Europe, not America. We wow. cannot even account for the funds and the equipment that we're sending there. And now they want to keep elevating the war, a proxy war with Russia. Yep. That is dangerous. And like I said on the onset, Biden administration is setting this world on fire with their policies. And it's going to kill our American youth when we have to put them in uniform to defend our country because of their incompetence or their desire to destroy America. I'm Joe Early. You can get more information from me at joeearly4wv.com. West Virginia, God bless you. God bless America. And God bless President Trump and what he's going to do when he gets back in the office. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank and everything you. will be on our website. And Thank it's also, in, also in the comment section down below here. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate Thank you, you, Joe. Bye-bye, yeah, sir. You. All right, guys. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was. See, I'm sorry. Oh, that no, was, that's fine. That, I, I mean, he was, he had a lot of stuff to say. That, I mean, uh, he had me really eye opening. Well, yeah. It, it's strange because everything that, everything that Joe was saying, Rick and I talk about every day, don't we, Rick? Just about, yeah. But we'll go drink a cup of coffee and Rick and I talk about it. Um, so hold on a second here. So, but anyway, Ladies and gentlemen, everything you heard tonight, 
will be on YouTube shortly. And the audio version will be on every other podcast. That just gets on my nerves. <laughs> no, I don't. And I don't have many left. Um, so anyway, it'll be on it'll be on YouTube, the video and audio. And the audio version will be on every other uh, podcast website that there is. But a couple of things we want to bring up is um, the veterans, the veterans um, table. You have that, Rick? Yes, I do. And the veterans table, what it is, it's it's like a, um, well, it's pretty much self-explanatory. The Wood County veterans table will occur on the third Tuesday of each month. There are the dates below. You can find us on our webpage. Um, if you can't, you know, um, you know, get with Rick, Teresa, or I. If you have any comments about tonight's show, we'll be glad to listen to them, won't we, won't we guys? Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. Um, you know, this is our country. These are our children. Our children speaking need to be taught of, to speak, take their place in society. Go ahead, Rick. Speaking of children. Oh, okay. Thank you, Rick. I know your granddaughter. Just, your granddaughter would have your hide. <laughs> I know, and I'll just. I, but anyway, so we'll we'll put this up a couple other times. Uh, spaghetti dinner fundraiser for Yo-Yo Elite Twirlers, award-winning baton team. Uh, Saturday, February 17th. This will also be on our webpage. Don't forget to go look, and it'll tell you everything you need to know. Teresa, do you have anything you want to bring uh, talk about? I mean, anything going on that you think we need to bring up real quick? Well, first of all, I have a little shout-out to one of our friends there, Bob. Had a birthday last week that we didn't get to go over, and that was Mr. Larry Webb. Happy birthday, Mr. Larry Webb. Webb. <laughs> and another thing that I would like to bring up, um, if you are in town and have nowhere to take your Valentine to. There's a place on the Valley Gym Sternwheeler. Um, they have a love cabaret. It's a, it's a dance show on the Sternwheeler. And awesome. that is occurring on February 10th and February 17th. So you go ahead and book your tickets now. Again, so, this will be this will be on the website, guys. This will be on our website. So but we appreciate everybody being with us tonight. Uh, please send us your, um, <laughs> Hey Rick. Yes. You were right. You're, you're right about what you sent me that message. Oh. <laughs> I, I will, I will, I will guarantee you. Okay. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Yeah. Because you know, I'm, I can see it coming. So just remember everybody, this is election season. So we're going to be pretty booked up with people running for, um, running for office, whether it be, local <clears throat> excuse me i've been sick for like four days and it's been really bad i've been trying to trying to my wife brought me in some tea so i quit coughing um where was i anyway there we're going to have a lot of people on from congressional to uh secretary of state to auditor to magistrates to everybody that we can we're going to governor have them on governor yeah another one coming up and um, so we had some pretty good feedback from last week. People were kind of kind of mixed emotions, you know, but yeah, that's the way it is. This is our country. And it's time we take our country back, people, because we're being destroyed right before our eyes. And there's not a thing that anybody's doing about it, it seems like. T, thank you. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Rick. Rick. Thank you. We appreciate you being with us, T, very much. 
And uh, if anybody wants to come on and help, you know, help me, Rick, and T, you know, hey, we'll let you come on, won't we, Rick? Bring them on, stir it up. Come, come <laughs> on, and uh, come, come on, and uh, we'll we'll let you talk. Hey, maybe, you know, Rick talks too much. You know, <laughs> I know. He he's just kind of mouthy like that. All right, everybody, have a very good evening. It's cold outside. Bring your pets in, spay and neuter them. Don't don't let them sit outside in the cold. You know, if you're cold, you know they are, and it you need to bring them inside and have them spayed and neutered because our our humane society everywhere is overflowing with animals and well you know what happens so i'm not even going to say it because i it upsets me so we appreciate you very much we love you guys very much tune in next week we're going to post the um once i get a confirmation for next weekend um i'm trying to get trying to get Chris Warner on. He's running for Secretary of State. Um, he he wants to, but I just want to make sure that the schedules are... I talked to him the other day, and I want to make sure that the schedules are working, so I don't want to say anything, post anything, unless I get a confirmation, because if he can't, then we're going to put somebody else in that spot and go on. Yeah, and then keep, keep your eye on our calendar page, because we'll keep... Exactly. As, as soon as we get their information, we'll put that on our calendar page. All right. Well, everybody go. Good night. Have a good evening. Go eat dinner. Go visit with your family. I'm going to go. I'm going to go have to t sit and talk to my daughter. I don't know why. No. Anyway. <laughs> so appreciate you guys very much. All right. T, Rick, you guys are the best. Talk, talk to you soon. All right. Good night, Take guys. Take us out of here, Ricker. Night, night. Jim Bob. <laughs> night, Mary Ellen.